Welcome to Waco Watch, the podcast. I am Dewana McCray, and I'm here with Danielle Williams and Mike Tamasulu. Today, we are going to discuss the Federal Circuit Mandamus Order issued in NRA Apple, the case regarding a motion to transfer, which was the case before Judge Albright in Waco. Before we jump in, Mike and Danielle, how are you two doing today? Doing great, Dewana. How are you? I'm doing well. Mike, what about you? Tip top. If I was any luckier, I'd be twins, right? So let's dive right in. Danielle, could you please give us the procedural background leading up to the mandamus order? Yes. And some of y'all may have read our blog post uh, from earlier this year where we talked about the Federal Circuit argument around this. And it was one of the hotter benches that we've seen at the Federal Circuit on this kind of transfer issue. But as the court put in their opinion, what they were looking at here is Apple's motion to transfer to the Northern District of California based on Section 1404A. They, in the case, in the district court, uh, the court issued an oral order denying the motion to transfer and then proceeded with the substantive issues in the case, including a Markman hearing, issuing a Markman order, addressing a protective order issue, and then there may have been what may have been another uh, item or two that was addressing the substantive merits of the case. Apple uh, went ahead and appealed or, or sought mandamus of the oral order that the court issued. Uh, and based on that uh, oral order, the court heard oral argument and then issued its opinion here uh, early, early this week. So there were a couple of things that that came out of this opinion. And part of it from my perspective is what do we need to know generally as litigants uh, in the patent litigation space uh, when we're looking at where to file and when to file a motion to transfer under 1404. And then secondly, what does this opinion say about Waco, and what are the finer points uh, that we can take away from this decision and the papers filed that led to this decision about Waco? So, as far as the circuit court's opinion, I'll start there uh, and just give the give the high level part, and then you guys can uh, can jump in on that if you like. And then I know we we'll want to open it up for a, a hotter discussion about the Waco piece, but. I mean, generally speaking, the Federal Circuit made 100% clear that the if there is a motion to transfer on the docket, that is your top priority. It's not the substantive issues. It is the motion to transfer it. So get to it, make your decision, and then you can move on to the substantive issues. But you can't have the motion to transfer pending and address substantive issues. So, of course, for those of us who practice in jurisdictions where there is a local rule called the no excuses local rule where you proceed with the substantive issues in the case and the deadlines under the patent local rules, what does that mean? Well, reading this, it means you got to get the motion to transfer decided before you're proceeding on the substantive issues in the case. The other part is uh, the court, the majority decision went through in uh, significant detail uh, from my perspective, I mean, in a level of detail that just seemed well, super helpful to those of us who, who want to file these motions to transfer. 
but but it's more detailed than I would expect in this type of factual analysis. But the federal circuit went through each one of the private and public interest factors and gave some guidance on what is to be included and what is not to be included and also highlighting where if you include or are over-inclusive, you have the opportunity to, to double count, which causes you to weigh something twice. Uh, so from a practitioner's perspective, the opinion is very helpful on when the motion to transfer is supposed to be decided. And then when you're putting your motion to transfer together, what is it that's going to be the most helpful evidence to support your position on the private and public interest factors. And I'll also say, if you want the, the rundown of what those are, you can take a look at our blog post from earlier this week that, that goes through the play-by-play -play on those factors. Okay, so these are the takeaways generally for litigants. Mike, can you jump in and just give us the takeaway specifically regarding Waco? There's the meta issue, which you know was voiced by Apple. It's a full throat. The Apple petition is a full throttle assault on Judge Albright's courtroom and his procedures, and that was noted by the the dissent, which said you know, it, that that type of a, an attack on a on a judge or a courtroom is unwelcome. The majority really doesn't note it at all. But that's the meta issue that that this single court in Waco has more more patent cases than any other court in the country, and by a long shot. That's not really germane per se to whether a case should or shouldn't be transferred out or whether any particular case should be transferred out. But that's the meta issue. And, you know, that may have led the federal circuit to issue this opinion. It's, it's I thought, an unusual case to, to do this on. It's not an appeal. It's a mandamus. And the dissent makes the point that this the majority opinion, according to the dissent, pays no deference to the detailed findings of fact about the district court made. I mean, it said basically in short form, I think the district court's opinion says Apple has 8,000 employees and a hotel in Austin, you know, and whether there are witnesses in outside of Austin or the most important witnesses are somewhere else or somehow documents need to be transported from uh, the Northern District to Austin, that that ultimately just doesn't overweigh the plaintiff's ability to choose its forum. And so I, I was surprised by how detailed the analysis was and, and you know, that the sort of the majority opinion, it's just a, it's a, as Danielle pointed out, it's a, it's a more conflicted, direct conflict between the, the majority and the dissent than you normally see, especially in federal circuit opinions. You know, there, there are, you know, at least for in the, in the gentle person's sport of patent litigation, these are relatively direct uh, barbed exchanges between the judges and so on the one hand judges prost and hughes uh, wrote the majority opinion and judge moore who i gather will soon be the chief judge wrote the dissent that's sort of you know the big picture issues as danielle pointed out a benefit to all practitioners whether you're moving for or opposing or i think from a court ruling on a motion to transfer they because the the opinion is so detailed and nuanced it, it lays out a roadmap of of what these factors mean at least for now getting to your question about waco you know i i don't know i mean i think you could take the position that if if a company that has eight thousand employees and a hotel in austin can win a motion to transfer then you know may, maybe anybody can um on the other hand you have a conflicted bench and there's no guarantee that you're going to get well there's almost a certain guarantee you won't get the same panel 
if if it goes up on a mandamus again and you won't you might get a panel that feels more like judge Moore did which is that you know whether the decision is right or wrong that's not the topic for a mandamus it's 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 extraordinary relief and it has to be sort of profoundly wrong so i don't know what it means for waco but i you know if passes prologue i think it typically takes more than one mandamus ruling to start really changing the practice of a court Danielle and Mike, any more takeaways just generally? Well, I think from a if you're if you're a plaintiff, I think that you can now probably to transfer and you're probably going to see it right away. And so you probably are going to want to at least think about how you're going to prevail on these factors uh, that the that the federal circuit's opinion describes in detail. So I think you're going to want to prepare yourself for that. Number two, you probably want to have some discovery ready on those points, because I think that Judge Albright is allowing a limited discovery, a jurisdictional discovery. I think you get, you know, something like five or ten document requests and some, and you know, maybe a, a short deposition and a few interrogatories. But anyway, you do presumptively get jurisdictional discovery. And I think if you're a plaintiff, you should, you know, when you're if you're going to choose to file in Waco, you need to be prepared to defend that decision. And then if you're a defendant, I think you. If you feel like ultimately you would rather have your case tried somewhere else, you make your motion and, and again, pay attention to the factors that are laid out. But Mike, I think that you, Dewana, and I, we will agree that when we are on the defense side of the V, I mean, the motion to transfer is something that we consider as a matter of course, whether we find ourselves <laughs> in the Western District of Texas the Northern District of Illinois, the Southern District of New York. I mean, fundamentally, I think that if you're a plaintiff, the motion to transfer is always something on your radar. And if you're a defendant, the motion to transfer is something that's always on your radar. And then the fact that the court delved in to this particular mandamus uh, with such attention to detail is curious the commentary between the majority and the dissent about what this really is. And I'm not a fan of name of name calling in the practice of law. I know, I know it happens. I don't think you'll find a paper with my name on it where we've had ad hominem attacks, but there's certainly been ad hominem attacks directed, directed to me uh, and my team. So, uh, but I just, it was just curious to me that, just to see that exchange between the the majority and the dissent. And I don't know what that means. I don't know either. I, I think that, you know, the, the, there was a post I read, maybe Pat and Leo, which sort of said the federal circuit got it wrong. And ultimately, I think what it said was, you know, uh, of course, the plaintiffs are going to engage in forum shopping and a motion to transfer is its own species of forum shopping. It's very, very rarely based on what it's called forum non-convenience. It's very rarely based on the idea that the forum that you're seeking to leave is inconvenient. And I don't think you can credibly say that that's what, or well, I, we don't know, but I don't think you can credibly say that when a company seeks to leave a forum where it has 8,000 employees and a hotel, that it really just thinks that it's less convenient. They think that they, Apple presumably thought it would get a better result elsewhere. And so that's its own species of forum shopping. And that was one, you know, that was what, how the, I believe the the post presented it. And I think that yeah. ultimately, I think that again, if you go back to the meta issue, the meta issue is 
plaintiffs are choosing this forum and defendants are, are trying to leave it. Right, which is, I mean, that's a natural position to be in. You know, the plaintiff wanted to be here. Well, then we must automatically not want to be here. So how do we get out of it? It's and they should keep in mind that the first trial was a, a full defense verdict in, you know, under five hours or something like that. So the idea that this forum is so hostile to defendants that it should lead to bickering and name calling at the federal circuit, you know, maybe there's not a, a good basis to conclude that. One of the things that caught my eye is was Judge Moore's use of the word or the phrase ad hominem attacks uh, on an esteemed jurist, right? And so I know we went and looked at the site uh, to Apple's petition to see what she was referencing. And there was a decent five pages or so uh, description of what Apple had observed uh, in the jurisdiction and then uh, citing to what other third party pundits had observed about about the district. So I don't know whether it's fair or unfair, but it was certainly something that I understand why it was in the petition and why that argument or those facts were presented in the light that they were presented in. I mean, it, it was nuanced in the way that lawyers make things nuanced, but it, it, there was no mistake about it. It was a, a full throttle attack on Judge Albright. And basically the allegation is that he's facilitating single judge forum shopping and in fact inviting it and is hoarding his cases and won't transfer them out. And that was what Apple wrote. And uh, Judge Moore brushed brushed Apple back and the and the majority opinion just didn't acknowledge it one way or the other. Those are my takeaways. I don't think that this mandamus means there will be more motions to transfer in the Western District of Texas. I think that any defendant uh, who who finds itself in the Western District was going to file a motion to transfer because that's what they wanted to do from a strategic perspective. And Tawana, we were talking about this motion, this notion of the motion to transfer as part of the MV3 versus Roku case. And so I think that you know what what is not new news to any patent litigation practitioner is you've got to have a strategy. Uh, you've got to understand what the consequences are of your strategy, and you've got to execute it with, with full disclosure and full knowledge about what you're getting into. So number one, if you file a motion to transfer and it gets denied and you elect not to seek a, to seek a mandamus or you're not successful in your, in your mandamus, then you are going to be potentially limited in what you can say to curry favor with your participation and uh, your participation in the district. Of course, it's a patent infringement case. Uh, so we're really talking about the minute details of how something operates, right? So you know, wherever you are, you are, and wherever you're not, you're not. The other part is, I mean, if you, if you file your motion to transfer and uh, you get out and you go to another district, I mean, that, that's great. But the other part of that is, I mean, sometimes the devil you know is the better is better than the devil you don't. And so just because you can file that motion to transfer and you are successful in it, you just gotta make sure that you're, that you're landing somewhere that is in fact, but that's not new news to anybody who practices, uh, practice in, practices in the patent litigation forum. Yeah, so it, it is interesting. And you know, I, it, it'll be interesting to see what, what if any 
changes it makes in the judge's practice, but I think people can stay tuned and we'll, we'll and be assured that we will keep them up to date on that. Well, for sure, the change, the change in the practice is he added the default procedures for for a jurisdictional uh, discovery. So, I mean, there it is. You want it, go for it. Take advantage of it. Uh, we've at least seen that. We'll see what else he does. Great. So thank you, Mike and Danielle, for the takeaways. And thank you all for listening in. Please tune in next time where we will take a deeper dive into MV3's motion for a new trial, as well as Roku's response to MV3's motion for a new trial. Thank you all.